Good morning. Today is Sunday, February 5th, 2023. First, just to mention this week, with God's help, we are together today, Monday morning and Tuesday morning. After that, we will not be together for the rest of the week. I will be out of town. So that means Wednesday, Thursday, Friday morning, we will not be together. And the Thursday night class this week, we will not be together. I will still be sending out the daily emails. And if you are not yet subscribed to those, if you let me know, I would be happy to add you to them. But we will then resume after Shabbos next Sunday, which is Sunday, February 12th. In our Torah portion, the parish of Yisro, God speaks the Asera Sadibros, the Ten Commandments. And those words that God spoke to the entire Jewish people at Mount Sinai, those words were later engraved on the Luchos, the two tablets of stone that Moshe ultimately brought down to the Jewish people. Our sages tell us that each stone was approximately two feet tall by two feet wide by one foot deep, approximately. That's a sizable stone, and there were two of them. Just by the way, there is no Jewish source for the rounded top of these tablets as is often depicted. It appears that that comes from non-Jewish sources. But I think the first question is, why two stones and why not one? Rabbi Shamshra Hirsch gives the following answer. He points out that of the Ten Commandments, the first five, one, two, three, four, five, are bein adam lamakom. They relate to the relationship between ourselves and God. And the second five relate to Bain Adam Lachavero between ourselves and ourselves, how we treat each other. And there is a correspondence between one and six and two and seven, etc., such that the idea is they were two stones so that they could be placed side by side. So you could read down 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and then 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. But you could also read across 1, 6, 2, 7, etc. Because there's a connection between 1 and 6 and a connection between 2 and 7 and etc. What that connection is is not so hard to figure out, but we're going to leave that subject for another time. That's not our subject today. But it does show us that they were meant to be held side by side. <clears throat> now, when you actually do that, so obviously I don't have stones, but if you take the text of the Ten Commandments and you actually hold it side by side, you see something very interesting. What I've done is I've just printed out on a sheet of paper the text of the first five and the text of the second five. So take a look at that. This is, and, and don't worry about the words right now. I mean, obviously the words are important, but just look at how it looks. So this is one, two, three, four, five. 
and this is 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. What do you notice about the layout of these two sets? Especially since, right, our sages are insisting that there were two stones, five on one and five on the other. Now, we don't often focus on this because very often the depiction that we have around us of the two tablets has maybe a, a, a number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, to indicate the ten. Or sometimes you'll see the first word of each one of the ten. But when you look at the text, look at how much is printed on this first one and look how empty this second one is. I mean, to me, it looks kind of strange. Is that really what it looked like? That one was completely filled with writing and the other was basically empty? Just practically speaking, what it looked like? Seems strange. So, Rav Matisio Solomon, great scholar, lived in, living in, in Lakewood, and others write the following. They write, that the text on the second five was written larger so that the two sides' text took up the same amount of space. In other words, the font on the second five was a larger font. And that means it would look something like this. So here's the first five, same sex. A, a, a same size, filling up most of the page. And here's the second five, but in order to fill the page, you see how the letters are much, much larger. Now, imagine to yourselves, what is the image that the Jewish people would see as Moshe approached with them? What would the Jewish people see when they looked at them? Well, Obviously, the words on the second side would be much more visible at a greater distance. It would be the same first thing that you saw. You'd have to get up closer to the first because the letters are smaller. But the letters of the second five, they kind of scream at you. It would be the first thing that you notice. Only when you got closer could you make out the words of the second five. And says Ramatisio Solomon, this is in fact a very important signal to us of God's priorities. Because God wants us to prioritize our relationship between ourselves and others. Even to a higher extent than we express our relationship between God and ourselves. But how we treat others has to come first. An incredible lesson that comes simply from the font size of the Aseris Adibros. And let me share one last lesson, a second lesson that comes from the appearance of these luchos. So the Torah says later, Parshas Kisisa, luchos ksuvim mishne evrehem, 
the luchos were written on both sides. Remember, it was about one foot thick. So it was written on the front and also written on the back so that if you were holding it, you could read it from the front or the back. Written from this side and written from that side. Our sages in the Talmud tell us that this was a miracle. This was not a normal, natural phenomenon. It's not just that they took a, a stone that's one foot thick and on one side engraved the words and then on the other side engraved the words so that you could read them on both sides. That's the simple way to understand it. But our sage in the, sages in the Talmud say it was a miracle because the words that were engraved were engraved all the way through the stone. It wasn't just etched in like uh, a monument would be engraved, I don't know, let's say a half inch or an inch deep into the stone. No, it was engraved all the way through. And the miracle was, if I'm writing on this side and I'm engraving it all the way through, of course, what is it going to look like on the other side? If I would look at it on the other side, it would appear as if it was backwards. It would be a mirror image. But there was a miracle that even though the engraving went all the way through. Still, if you looked at it from the other side, it would read as it was supposed to read, correctly. So, that's a neat trick. It's kind of like a divine Escher drawing, if you've ever seen one of those. But Rabbi Samshul for Hirsch explains that this detail has great significance. He writes, We learn from this that the word of God must not grip us only superficially from one side. It must penetrate us through and through. The word of God has to go all the way through us. We must be a Jew through and through on all sides and in all aspects. Otherwise, I would suggest to you, if you just engrave it and stays on the surface, it's kind of like polishing your furniture or waxing your car. The water beads off and rolls off. It's not absorbed. And that is a great problem that we have in the Jewish world today. And it's been this way for quite some time. Rabbi Hirsch referred to it with the phrase reverse Muranos. The Muranos or the Conversos were those Jews who, because of the Inquisition, they had to be Jewish in secret, but in public they acted as if they were Christians and Catholics, so as to keep their lives, keep, keep themselves alive, but in their hearts, in their homes, in private, they were Jews. They kept mitzvahs. Rabbi Hirsch bemoaned that in his day, in the late 1800s, it was all too common to see Jews who were reverse Conversos. They were religious on the outside. Their appearance when they were with others, they came to shul. They put on a disguise of, of uh, piety and they wore a big talus and a big shaitel and they appeared to be so, so religious, but in the inside, it really didn't affect them. In the inside, they really had a very mundane way of looking at life. It didn't sink in. It's like they are waxed 
they appeared to be religious on the outside, but the religiosity, the words of Hashem, did not sink in all the way to the essence. They know the words. They appear to be knowledgeable and active in public, let's say in the synagogue. But those words remain beaded on the surface. It's only a disguise. It's a show. It's a mask that they wear in public. But tragically, it doesn't touch their core. And one of the consequences of that is, when such a person thinks that no one is watching, they can be a lousy person. Because it's not really me. It's just what I show to other people. But when I come home and close the door, I don't have to show other people. And now I'm just me untouched by God's words, untouched by spirituality, God forbid. The key to genuine spirituality is how a person acts in private when no one is watching. Because when the lessons of Judaism are absorbed, when the words go through and through, they're engraved all the way through to the other side. That's when they penetrate the core of our being. Then it doesn't matter whether we're in private or whether we're in public. It doesn't matter whether others see or others do not see. Because there is always one. The only one. God who sees. And it is when there is that awareness, that's when being religious is not, God forbid, hypocritical and does not, God forbid, lead to scandals. But it's beautiful and moral and it makes us proud. Picturing the actual writing of the Aseris Hadibros should be an ongoing reminder that the words of God must go all the way through us if they're just on the surface, it's a disguise. It must be the core of our being. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person. <laughs>